Good morning. I apologize to those of you I did not get to greet, but we are grateful that you are here with us today. I got a little, I got a little scenario for us to go through. Um, how, how many of you have ever had a long day? You just get home and you are just exhausted. Yeah, you're thinking today is that day. Um, so let's imagine you get home from the day, whether it's work or whether it's just life that is weighing you down. You are just drained mentally, physically, emotionally. You're just done. If you got kids, usually that's the first thing on our minds, right? Oh my gosh, I got to deal with the kids. But there's no kids in this scenario, all right? Just imagine it's just you. You get home. All you want to do is get into some comfy clothes, eat some food, watch something on the TV, and just lay lifeless on the couch, um, so you're about to do just that. You go to the fridge, you open the fridge, leftovers. That's all you got. Perfect though, right? Low effort. So you pop those babies into the microwave. You, you go and get on some comfy clothes. You come back, get your food, get on the couch, get settled in, get your blanket on, whatever you need. You get on the TV on, you are just ready to chill. In that moment, what is the worst thing that could happen next? Someone knocks on the door. You kind of freeze. You mute that TV, right? As quickly as you can, as if they didn't hear it before. And you just kind of sit there lifeless in a different sense, right? Not moving, hoping that they just go away. Who is at my door? And they just keep knocking. Eventually you slide down onto the floor and you start to army crawl across the living room as quiet as you can. And you're thinking, why me? Why now? You get up and you kind of look out the window and see who it is. It's a close friend. It's someone who has been over to your house countless times. But do you really want them in your house right now uninvited? You know they're probably going to talk and talk and talk. You know they're probably going to want to eat some food. All you have is leftovers. So what do you do? Your night of comfort is suddenly faced with a dilemma. Do, do you keep the door shut? Do you remain lifeless on the floor, hiding in the dark? Or do you get up and you open the door and, and let this uninvited dinner guest in? I'm sure we would all respond differently to that scenario. I, I would probably lay lifeless on the floor. Um, but it makes me think of a different scenario, a different kind of knocking. Have you ever felt the knocking on the door of your heart. I'm sure we've all been there. We see something, we see a situation, we experience something and this, this wave of compassion washes over us and it, it kind of urges us to want to do something, to want to help some way or, or somehow. But sometimes we hear that knocking and we think, well, what exactly could I even do to help? We feel that urge to want to do something in that moment. But we're like, no, 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 not now. I don't have the resources. I don't have the capacity. I've had the longest day, the worst week. Someone else will do it. I, I'm not even going to worry about it. Sometimes we treat compassion like an uninvited dinner guest. And we try to make up excuses, trying to convince ourselves to ignore that urge of compassion, to ignore that knocking at the door of our heart. Just keep it locked, keep it closed. I'm going to be so much more comfortable that way. It's going to be so much easier. Just ignore it, forget about it, out of sight, out of mind. And we could do that, right? And we'll probably be fine. Things will be all right. But will we be satisfied? 
Because we all know there is something deep inside of us rooted, calling us to do good in certain situations, calling us to to answer the door to compassion. Because there is something, there is someone knocking on the door to our hearts, calling us to open the door. There's a moment in the Bible where Jesus, he sends out his 12 disciples, these disciples that had been following him and learning from him. He sends them out to go into different villages and different towns to, uh, to do ministry, to spend time with hurting people, to, to heal people, to teach people, to, to just love people. So the disciples, they do that. They go out two by two to these different towns, these different villages, and uh, they do the work of Jesus in those towns. I'm, I'm assuming they come back from doing that ministry exhausted, just tired. I can't imagine the things that they had to see, the things that they experienced. They probably came back to Jesus, just drained, depleted. Um, Jesus, he wants to spend time with them as they return to him. He wants to hear about what they experienced, what, what they went through. So they sit together, but, but all these people, they kept coming up and interrupting their time together. So eventually Jesus, he says, hey, let's hop in a boat. Let's go down the shore. We're going to go find a secluded place away from everyone. And, and we can spend some time together. You can rest. So they do that. They hop in the boat. They start making their way down the shore and they're just going and going. But the farther they get down the shore, people on the shoreline from these little villages and stuff like that, they start seeing that it's Jesus in the boat and they start following that boat. Soon crowds of people are following after Jesus and the disciples in the boat. More and more continue to join the crowd as they get farther and farther down the shore. Eventually, the disciples and Jesus, they they come to shore and they are met with this large crowd of people. I'm talking thousands of people. Everyone there wanting a glimpse, wanting to hear from Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. When the large crowd was visible to both Jesus and the disciples, they both saw the same thing, right? but they had different feelings of how to respond to the crowd. Jesus, he's responding with compassion. He wants to spend time with the people. He wants to love on the people, teach the people. The disciples, on the other hand, they see this crowd as more work. They were exhausted. They're ready to rest. They're they're ready to just chill with Jesus and not think about anything else. And the last thing they want to do is spend time with these people. Who invited these people anyways? They probably wondered. Their hearts were closed and locked. Uh, They were apprehensive to engage this crowd, knowing that it was going to call more out of them. But that does not stop Jesus. Jesus, he goes right into the crowd, starts spending time with the people, touching people, uh, talking to the people. He begins to teach all of the people. Jesus begins to talk with them. Eventually, the disciples, though, they're like, man, it is getting late. The sun's going down. I'm hungry. I'm exhausted. We got to tell Jesus it's time to wrap it up. So they approach Jesus to express their concerns. Here's what the Bible says. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said. And it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, he answered, you give them something 
to eat the need of the crowd, it becomes apparent to both the disciples and to Jesus. But once again, they had different feelings of, of how to fulfill that need. The disciples say, send them away, get them out of here. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. You feel that need. The disciples, they freeze, confused about what's happening, trying their best to find a reason to not to help. They had just been out doing the work of Jesus, ministering to all of these people. But now as Jesus knocks on the door of their heart to do more, they are apprehensive to open that door. If they would just trust Jesus in this moment, if they would open the door to him, they would begin to view this situation completely differently because Jesus, he sees it as an opportunity, an opportunity for the glory of God. And it makes me think though, how often do we allow our own struggles, our own situations, our own emotions, our own exhaustion, things that we're going through, how often do we allow that to affect the way we see people, to affect the way we see situations? And, and sometimes it keeps us from answering that call for compassion because of it. And the truth is, sometimes we would love to just live our lives unbothered, unaffected by the world around us. But sometimes Jesus, he is calling us to get out of our comfort zone, knocking on the door to our heart, calling us to have compassion, not for our glory, but for the glory of God. Sometimes he's going to engage us just like he does with the disciples. We see a need and then Jesus begins to knock. We feel that compassion and he, he's knocking on the door to our hearts and he is saying, you feel that need. But sometimes we respond just like the disciples. Sometimes we feel confused. Me? Who? Me? We kind of press our ears up against the door as we listen to Jesus knock and we just say, I don't have what you need right now, Jesus. I am not capable of doing that right now. And we whisper our doubts to him. And we say, but how, how can I be of any help? As Jesus tells the disciples, you give them something to eat. He turns to one specific disciple named Philip says this, Jesus asked Philip, where will we get enough bread to feed all these people? He said this to test Philip since he already knew what he was going to do. Jesus looks Philip dead in the eyes and he said, what do you think? What do we do next, Philip? Well, where are we going to find the food to feed all of these people? Well, what do you think? Jesus, he is knocking on Philip's heart, trying to make him think, trying to test and strengthen his faith. And now Philip, he's seen Jesus do miracles before. You would think Philip would say, Jesus, it's you. We can do anything because we have you. You can provide what these people need. But instead, Philip, he starts making all of these calculations. He begins to scan the size of the crowd. He's trying to comprehend how exactly they could feed a crowd that size. There were thousands of people. Here's what the Bible says. Here's how Philip responds. Philip answered, don't you know that it would take almost a year's wages just to buy only a little bread for each of these people? Philip, he responds with doubt. Philip, he says, don't you know? He says, don't you know to Jesus as if he's telling Jesus something he didn't know. And Philip, he's saying, we don't have that kind of money, Jesus. We don't have the resources for that. Even if we did have the money, we would only be able to buy a little bit of bread for everyone to eat. That would not fill them. That would not give them what they need. 
Jesus, he is knocking on the door to Philip's heart and Philip, he is coming up with excuses. Philip, he analyzes the situation and and he does his calculations. And as he does, he is multiplying doubt. There's no way, Jesus. There's just not enough, Jesus. I think we've all probably been in Philip's shoes before. Maybe we have felt the, that knock on the door to our hearts. We, we feel lead, led to do something, but, but as we think about doing that thing, our, our doubts just begin to multiply as we wonder how we could ever do that. I could only give just a little bit of money. Well, what good is that going to do? I might as well not give anything at all. I could only serve once a month. I, I might as well just not serve at all because what good would it do? We whisper these doubts through the cracks of the closed door of our heart. And we say, I don't have enough. I am not capable. I am not enough. 13 years ago, I was living in Puerto Rico. I was, I was a teacher there at a school. I loved my life there. I loved being a teacher. But there were days I was just exhausted. I was depleted. I would get home from school and I would just be done with that day. There was one specific day I remember because my first year there it, um, was a drama-filled day at the school. The police had actually come to the school that day. Um, one of the parents of two of my students, uh, he had had a psychotic break. Uh, he wasn't violent or anything like that, just lost touch with reality. It, it happened away from the school, so school wasn't in danger or anything like that. But uh, the police had, had got him and, and got him into safety and, and took him where he needed to go, but they had to come to the school because his wife worked at the school and his two children were at the school. Um, Kids were a boy who was in fifth grade and um, a little girl who was in third grade, a brother and sister who I saw in that moment scared for their dad, not knowing what was happening, but, and my heart broke for them, but it began to break even more as the school found out what was happening. Soon it just spread like wildfire through the school. Everyone knew all the details and they began to look at those two children and just stare. They they began to whisper behind their backs. And now these children have all of that weighing them down. And my heart was just breaking for them. Uh, So I got home that day after dealing with all of that and I was exhausted. I was tired. I went to my bedroom. I cranked up the AC because it was blazing hot in there. I sat on the bed and I just began to pray. I began to ask God, please comfort that family. I loved that family. I loved them so much. I had known them before I had even moved there, before I started working at the school there. Those two kids, I had known them for so long. The brother and sister, their grandparents actually lived below me. They were my landlords. They all went to our church. And so we were close. So my heart was breaking. I was wishing I could do more. And I, I remember praying for those two kids. God, please comfort those children right now, wherever they are, please give them comfort. And as I prayed, the knock on the door. It's like, who in the world is that? No one knocked on my door. Um, so I just freeze. I'm thinking they're going to go away. I don't know who it is. I'm, I'm going to wait. I'll listen for the footsteps just to go away. So I sat and I waited, but they just kept knocking. Eventually I get up, I kind of peek out my bedroom window to see who it was. And there was the brother and his sister at my door. 
and this was not uncommon. This was not out of the ordinary since their grandparents lived below me. They were always running around there, sometimes running around up on my balcony and uh, saying hi and stuff like that. But in that moment, I'm thinking, I just left all that drama at the school. Do I really want it coming uninvited into my home? I'm not answering the door. Uh, I won't answer. They'll, they'll go away eventually. Everything will be fine. I'll see them tomorrow. It's going to be okay. I'm just going to sit here in the dark and do nothing. But they kept knocking. They kept knocking. And I'm thinking, why me? Why now? Eventually I get up. I, I look out the window again and I, I see the brother and he's got his arm wrapped around his little sister. And he is supporting her, giving her what she needs in that moment. There was just something that that moved through me in that moment as I saw that image and I still see it today. So in that moment, I thought, why not? So I go to the door, put on a smile. I opened it. The little boy, he says to me, "Uh, grandma wants to know if you can watch us. She's going to go to the hospital to be with my mom. They had, the police had taken the, their father to a mental health facility uh, the, the wife had gone there to be there too. And the, the whole family was going there, but they didn't want those kids to, um, to have to experience it. So I step out, I, I look down over my balcony and I see the grandma down there. She's getting into a car. She says something to me in Spanish. She doesn't speak English. I, I just say, okay. And she just drives away. So I go back to the kids. I, I bring them in. We sit at the table and um, they get out their homework and we start to do their homework together. And these kids, they were usually full of life, full of joy, always smiling, always excited, hard sometimes to redirect and and, and reel in. But in this moment, I saw a different side of them. I saw they were full of sadness. They were full of fear. And as they sat quietly doing their homework, just kind of staring at the the tables as, as tears in some moments streamed down their face, I did not know what to do. I did not know what I had that I could offer to them in this moment. They began to talk to me about the things they were experiencing and I just kept listening and I just kept saying, I'm here, I'm here with you. It's gonna be okay. Things like this happen. We'll get through this. I'm I'm here. Um, eventually sitting there doing the homework, the, the sun begins to go down. The coquee frogs outside begin to sing. And the little girl, she looks at me and she says, I'm hungry. I looked at her brother. I said, are, are you hungry too? And he's trying to be strong. He's just staring at the table and he shrugs his shoulders and then he nods his head. Yes. I say, okay. I, I get up from the table. I start walking towards my fridge. And in this moment, I am embarrassed because I don't have much. I, I did not make a lot of money during uh, my time in Puerto Rico. And um, I, I usually did not have a lot of food. I had just enough to get me by usually. Um, so I'm thinking, what, ex- what do I even have that I can give these kids? But I, I walked to that fridge and I, I opened the door and I, I looked to see what I had. As Philip was expressing his doubts to Jesus, one of the other disciples approaches Jesus and tells him this. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the disciples. He spoke up and said, there is a boy here who has five small loaves of barley bread and two fish. But what good is that with all these people? Andrew was saying, Jesus, here's what we have. Here's what we got. But how? 
Uh, How can this be enough for all of these people? What good is this for all of these people? And this this food uh, was maybe for this little boy's family. Maybe it was just this little boy's lunch. But what's interesting to me is the barley bread. That bread back then, that barley bread, it wasn't like thick loaves. It was like um, thin, almost like pita bread. And that bread, it was most often given to animals to eat not people. Uh, So that signifies that this boy's family is probably poor, uh, yet here he is offering the little bit that he has to Jesus. And Jesus says, place what you have in my hands. And he is given the basket with the bread and the fish. And, And then Jesus does this. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Jesus, the first thing he does is he thanks God. Jesus thanks God for the little bit that they had. And then something miraculous happens. Jesus, he just starts handing out the food bit by bit to the disciples to give out to the people. From the little that had been placed into the hands of Jesus as it was placed in his hands, it multiplied And can you imagine the disciples? Jesus keeps handing them all this food until eventually the whole crowd is fed. They did not just get a little, but they got all that they wanted. They ate until they were full. They ate until they were fully satisfied. And all you can eat lunch delivered by the hands of Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. When they all had all had enough to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. There were leftovers. And and these are not just crumbs or or bits and pieces of, of eaten bread. These are whole pieces of the food. Imagine the disciples as they gather all that leftover food. Imagine Philip now realizing that what Jesus had been implying from the very beginning. Though in the beginning, the disciples, they did not fully understand the miracle that was about to happen. As Jesus knocked on their hearts, as Jesus was fanning the flames of compassion within them, he was inviting them to participate in his work. He was inviting them to participate in this miracle without their willingness to finally open that door to Jesus. That food, it would not have been distributed. And then no one would have eaten. The, the disciples, finally, they followed the commands of Jesus. And as they follow Jesus' commands, the, the doubt, it is no longer multiplying. And Jesus, he's not only multiplying food, but he is multiplying hope. And imagine the disciples, imagine what they would have missed out on had they just sent the people away. I opened that fridge and I was staring at a jar of pickles, some mustard and some milk. I looked at the kids. I said, you guys like pickles? And they said, no, gross. I said, okay. I shut the fridge door. I opened up the freezer and there in all of its glory, a box of bagel bites. Thinking, thank you, Jesus. Heaven sent. I grabbed those bagel bites. I go to my cupboard. I open it. Three packages of ramen noodles. Okay, we can make this work. I grab those. I go to the kids. I I show them the bounty of food that we have. We are eating like royalty tonight. 
And for the first time that they had walked in my apartment, they crack a smile, they begin to laugh. I'm pretty sure they were laughing at me, but that was okay. So I go and I start preparing the food. They keep working on their homework. And then eventually we're, we're sitting in front of the TV, eating together while the, while the older brother plays um, on my Xbox and soon the, the sound of coke key frogs from outside, that sound, it was drowned out by the sound of laughter that was coming from my little apartment. And I sat there in that moment with a belly full of the weirdest combination of food, but I was satisfied. And it was not the food that satisfied me, but it was being a part of the work of Jesus. It was Jesus in that moment that made me feel satisfied. And in that moment, I was so thankful for these uninvited dinner guests. And before the knock on that door, I'd been in my room in the dark, praying for those kids, praying for their family. I had no idea that God was intending to use me to answer my prayer. I had no idea that I would get to participate in him satisfying those kids as, as if God was saying to me as I prayed, what do you have? Are you willing to fill this need? Are you willing to answer the door and let them in? And as I reflected on this story, as I wrote this sermon, I, I wondered to myself, well, what if I had not opened the door? What if I ignored that wave of compassion flowing through my heart? I, I would have missed out on such an incredible moment, a, a moment that not only satisfied those kids, but a moment that satisfied me, a moment that gave me hope in a land that was far from my home when I was feeling homesick, a, a moment placed in the hands of Jesus, multiplying hope. Have you ever felt that knocking on your heart, is there something today that, that Jesus is urging you to do? And, and to be honest, what, what steps can we take when we feel that urge of compassion? I believe the first step we take is we open the door. We can't let doubt keep us from answering the call of Jesus. So when we feel that urge, we open our hearts to the possibility. We open our hearts to the opportunity. We attempt to see the situation before us as if Jesus would see it, not as more work, not as something that we are not capable of doing, but instead an opportunity for the glory of God to be shown, an opportunity for us to participate in the work of God. We let the compassion in, we let it marinate, we, we think about it, we let it rest in our minds so that we can, we can decide how we can effectively help in that moment, and then we prepare the food. We look at the situation through the lens of Jesus, and then we look and see what we have. What exactly are we being called to give? Is it money? Is it serving? Is it simply just spending time with someone who is hurting? We spend time in prayer, and when we ask God, God, tell me what you want me to give. What do you want me to do? We listen. Now, obviously, we don't always hear an audible voice, but rest assured, God, he will show you. He will make it clear to you. God will make it clear what he's calling you to do. And sometimes uh, we don't realize it until after we have already given it. Remember when Jesus asked Philip, Jesus, he already knew what he was going to do, right? It's the same for you. It's the same for me. Jesus already knows what he is going to do, but he is knocking on our hearts, inviting us to be a part of it. 
So we listen for what God wants us to give and then we set the table. We offer what we have to give. We put it on the table. We place it in the hands of Jesus. But this takes trust, right? We trust Jesus to receive our offering and to use it for the glory of God. Just like that little boy, he, he offered those, those five pieces of bread, those, those two fish. As he offered it, though he, he was offering this small amount, he had no idea what God was going to do with it. As we give what we have, we have no idea what God is going to do, but we put it in the hands of Jesus and we trust that his goodness will flow from it. And then we give thanks and eat. Just like Jesus gave thanks to God for the little bit of food they had, we give thanks to God for what he has provided us. We give thanks to God for allowing us to be a part of his good works. And as we follow through with with acting on that compassion that Jesus has placed on our hearts, we will begin to see people eating their fill. They will be satisfied, not necessarily on, on what we give, but satisfied on Jesus the work of God being present in their lives. And we get to realize that we're working alongside Jesus as this compassion is carried out and people will experience the love of Jesus through your compassion. And there will be leftovers as we open that door and as we say yes to the compassion of Jesus, as we place what we have in his hands, Jesus, he will multiply our hope. Jesus, he will multiply our peace. Jesus, he will multiply our joy, his goodness and his love. It will flow through our lives. It will overflow, giving us more than we could ever imagine, giving us holy leftovers that we are able to share in our relationships, that we are able to share at our workplace, we are able to share in our community, our schools, we are able to share here at church. But here's the thing, man, maybe you're sitting there thinking, yeah, this sounds great, easier said than done. I am tired. I am depleted. I'm exhausted. And we all have those moments in life where we feel like we don't have enough to give. We, we feel like, well, why would God even want anything from me? How, how can I be of any use? I have those days. Heck, I had some of those days this past week. We all have those days where Jesus, he is knocking on the doors of our hearts. He is urging us to answer the call for compassion. And it's so easy during those days to respond, but How? And we have the audacity to tell Jesus sometimes, don't you know? Don't you know the week I've had? Don't you know what it will take? Don't you know? And even if I did give, how could I even give enough? How can I satisfy someone else when I can't satisfy myself? I hear you knocking, Jesus, but How? In our moments of exhaustion, our moments of deprivation, in the midst of our doubt, as we whisper, but how, through the crack of the door to Jesus, Jesus, he is whispering back, Jesus, he is whispering over your soul, let me in and I will show you how. Around a month ago, I was having one of those days. Um, situations in life, they were just weighing me down. Things I was experiencing, um, doubts that I was multiplying in my head. I was thinking I was no good. I was no use. I was, didn't have enough. 
And that one of those mornings, um, I, I took, brought JJ here to daycare and I'm taking my son, David, to his school. Uh, David's eight. He's sitting in the backseat. I'm just kind of zoned out, um, driving. And it was in the church. We were leaving the church parking lot. And I remember from the backseat of my car, my little David, he says to me, dad, He says, Dad, what, what would people do without you? <laughs> I don't hesitate. I said, David, people would be just fine without me. People would be okay without me. And he does not hesitate. He says, no, Dad, people would not be okay without you. I, I don't think he knew how much I needed to hear that. I don't think he knew how, how much energy that gave me in that moment and, and all that I was experiencing. It was as if Jesus had been knocking on his little heart. And David, as, as he heard the knock of Jesus, he opened the door and he invited Jesus in. And Jesus, he whispered words of encouragement to David. And David, he had the courage to whisper those words back to me. The compassion of Jesus flowing through my son in my time of need, reminding me of the God that I serve. You see, there are moments when we feel depleted, we feel exhausted, we feel like we don't have anything to give. We need to be reminded of who exactly is knocking on the door of our hearts. We need to be reminded of the God that we serve who is asking to be let in. We serve a God who will not let us drown in sorrow. We serve a God who will not leave us depleted, but a God who restores. We serve a God who renews, a God who redeems, a God who rescues, a God who is seeking to draw us closer to him so that we will only seek satisfaction through him. A God who sent his one and only son to be that satisfaction. For through Jesus, we are fully satisfied. Jesus, he is the bread of life. Through him, we will be satisfied. Through Jesus, we will never be denied. So with Jesus, that is where we should always reside. But we have to open the door as, as we hear Jesus knocking, as we feel him urging for us to do something, we open that door, we allow him in and we keep opening the door. We keep swinging it open until only the frame remains, until there is no longer a door, until Jesus, he can just come in anytime he wants. He can come in and he can make himself at home. He can sit at our table and he can eat with us and we can invite others to sit at that table and eat with him. So have you felt the knocking of Jesus on your heart? Is there something Jesus has been urging you to do? Will you open the door? Will you prepare the food? Will you set the table? Will you give thanks and eat with Jesus? And maybe again, you, you've just come thinking, but how? <laughs> there was uh, that when I had given, had that time with the, the kids and, we ate all that food. The next day I was thinking, man, I don't got any food left, which was fine. I, I, would, I would eat, get stuff at school. Sometimes we had uh, Mallorca's con queso. If you know, you know, it's the best food ever. But I, I was a little worried. I, it was all worth it though, right? I, I knew that it was worth it. I, I, everything's gonna be fine. But that very next day, my dad called 
And he said, I got, I got something to tell you. Someone at church, they, um, they came up to me this past weekend and gave me a check for $500 to give to you. I would not have survived in Puerto Rico without the generosity of this church. And someone was here in this room, sitting in the seats. Maybe they're here today, but they felt the knocking of Jesus on their hearts. They had no idea why Jesus was calling them to do this, but they gave my dad a check for $500 and it changed everything for me. And so sometimes we need to be reminded as we give that we serve a God who is faithful. So no longer do we say, but how? But we say, but you, only but you, Jesus, only but you. But maybe you've come today and you need to hear those words. People will not be okay without you, Noah. People will not be okay without you. Miriam, people will not be okay without you. Brandon, Rob, people will not be okay without you. Maggie, people will not be okay without you. Quinn, people will not be okay without you. Debbie Clark, (laughs) people will not be okay without you. Every person sitting in these seats, every person listening online, people need you in their life. Our church, we need you here. Our church will not be okay without each and every one of you. And that's our goal for this next season. As we pray, as we listen, as we do, we're praying that we as a church, we can open our hearts so wide that Jesus would come into our church anytime he wants, that we would answer that call to compassion no matter what. And we we do it together. We participate together in the work of God and his goodness. I'm talking too much. Um, If you've come today and you would like prayer, you feel like you felt that exhaustion and you are, maybe you feel that knocking on your door. Someone came forward last service and she felt that knocking and she was asking, how do I open the door? If you would like prayer today, just come forward during this last song. Um, once, the, once we start to sing, though, please stay, stay here. Don't leave. I know sometimes we just want to get out. We want to get to lunch or whatever. But we ha- my dad has something to tell you. We have a video for you to watch. So please stay here. Don't rush out of here like it's on fire or something like that. Um, but if you would stand with me now, I'd love to pray for you before I leave. See if I can pray without crying. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We are so thankful, God, for this church. We are so thankful for what you are doing here. We just pray that you continue to bless this church, that your work would be, continue to be done, that we, we would be willing to open the door as we hear the call of Jesus, that we would leave this place knowing that you are calling us to be so close to you, to abide in you and to participate in the work that you're doing. And I thank you for my friends and family here, my church family. God, we are so thankful for what you're doing. And I just pray that as we leave that your love in every situation that we face, every, every moment, every moment of compassion, that every situation we face, that your love, it would become our reflex that we would reflect your goodness, we would reflect Jesus in all that we do and all that we say. 
And we thank you for Jesus, God, for through him, all things are possible. Please allow us to be close in all that we do. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.